<clears throat> well, good evening. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> good to be with you again. Hope you had a good afternoon. I found my eyelids. I don't know about you, but so what Sunday afternoons are for, I believe. I think it's in the Bible somewhere. 1 Timothy chapter 1 will be there tonight. And they told me I could preach till midnight. Just Roger did. Just making sure that you know it was Roger. <laughs> All right. So tonight we're going to be talking about challenges to finishing. Challenges to finishing. And we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy and looking at some examples from 2 Timothy, but we're also going to be in other places as well. It's having some difficulty with this mic. Okay. So <clears throat> what I'd like to talk about for a moment is starting well does not guarantee that we will finish well. There's example after example in the Bible of those who started well, but they didn't end well. The Israelites, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, they were baptized into Moses. They passed through the cloud, under the cloud and through the Red Sea. They were baptized into Moses. But with most of them, God was not well pleased because their bodies fell in the wilderness. They started well but they died in the wilderness. Many other examples. Solomon started well. I mean, those first several chapters of 1 Kings um, <clears throat> are very, very good for Solomon in his life. But he gets, you get to chapter 11, and the wheels really fall off because he marries many women, and he clings to them in love. And when he was older, the Bible says he turned away from God. Same thing is true of King Asa. You may not be familiar with King Asa, but it's on uh, your notes there in the, in the outline. You have King Asa in his old age. He started well, but in his old age, he would seek the king of Syria for help. He would seek his doctors for help, but he wouldn't seek God uh, for, help, <clears throat> for help. King Jehoash uh, got new counselors. You know, I, I love the story of King Jehoash, the way it starts. He started well. He had a mentor. His name was Jehoiada. Jehoiada was kind of like his dad. Jehoiada was a priest. But when Jehoiada died, King, uh, King Jehoash got new counselors and turned away from God. We talked about Demas this morning. Demas fell in love with this present world and, and walked away from God and from Paul. The, the Galatian Christians started well. Paul, in fact, he says, you guys ran well. Who hindered you? And he says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from the gospel. So starting well doesn't guarantee that we will finish well. And I don't say all that to just walk, help us to walk away here with all this uncertainty. Oh, man, I'm going to mess all this up. No, but it's just a reality that sometimes people start, but they don't continue walking uh, with God. Not everyone kept the faith. And as you look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 19, 1 Timothy 1 uh, and verse 19, not everyone kept the faith. Some, in verse 19, had made what? They made shipwreck of their faith. Sometimes people will say it's not possible for someone to lose their salvation or to walk away from their salvation. And I heard the old preachers say, well, shipwreck, you can't be shipwrecked if you're never in the ship. Right? And so they were shipwrecked of their faith. They had made a shipwreck of their faith because they had walked away. Chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Paul says, Some will depart from the faith. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8, Some had denied the faith. 
Chapter 5 and verse 12 is he's talking about uh, widows, some who were walking in the lust of the flesh, said they had abandoned their former faith. Those who were greedy, 1 Timothy 6, they had wandered away. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 8, some were disqualified. These are all on your notes. But we understand that not everyone kept the faith. And so that's why, and I appreciate the, the, the title here that I was given by uh, the leaders here, Challenges to Finishing, because all of these verses wouldn't be in the Bible if it's just easy. We just get up, come up out of the waters of baptism and then praying it's just all good and we just coast. No, there's a lot of things that face us, and you understand that. There's a lot of things that we face on the way to heaven. And so we're going to talk about three specific challenges. Three specific challenges. <clears throat> One of the things I want to talk about for just a moment is that when I was in Columbus, Ohio, I'm, I'll just say this, I'll be vulnerable, I'm, I'm prone to getting discouraged. I don't know about any of you, but I'm prone to getting discouraged. You know, sometimes my expectations get a little too high or maybe get disappointed in how things are going or how people have treated me, and so I got discouraged. And in fact, I was so ready that I was going to quit. Somebody had been really mean to me, and I was like, I'm calling the U-Haul today. I am calling the U-Haul today, Anna, I'm quitting, we're going. And so I, I remember walking out into the, into the parking lot. We lived right next door to the church building. I remember standing there crying out to God, God, help me. I am so discouraged. I need your help. So Anna, my wife, walks out from the back door, and she, she's got the cordless, and she says, Aaron, Roger's on the phone. He says, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, guys cry. This one does. And I just poured out my soul to Roger because I was ready to quit. Okay? You understand is sometimes it gets hard, doesn't it? Sometimes marriage gets hard. I love marriage, but sometimes marriage is hard. Sometimes parenting. You're either going to lose your hair or it's going to turn gray. Right? Sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes our relationships get very difficult. Sometimes those diseases and those sicknesses, sometimes those financial struggles, sometimes those addictions, they get hard, and, and we just get tired of getting beat down. We get tired of facing all this stuff, and then we deal with all of the other stuff in the world, and we hear all, all the news, and, and we see all the stuff around us. We see the stuff that's being celebrated in the world, and, and we really can get discouraged. And so that's why lessons like this are so important, because we've got to remember, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everyone else was challenged, like Paul was challenged. He struggled. He, Timothy struggled, but yet Paul, as, as Roger said so well, he could say, I have kept the faith. Don't you want to be able to say that? When you get ready to draw your last breath, I have kept the faith. I have finished. I have finished. I have done what God has called me to do. Not in flawless, sinless perfection, but I have kept the faith. I don't want to be in that crowd of those verses that we just read. I don't want to be in that crowd, do you? The people who abandoned and are disqualified, the people who wandered away and walked away and are shipwrecked, I don't want to be in that crowd. I don't want that to be said as someone does, you know, looks back on my life. I don't want that, and God doesn't want that for you. We must not give up. And so the first challenge that we're going to talk about tonight <clears throat> is the challenge of the moment. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. The challenge of the moment. 
And what I mean is not that we, we all have moments of weakness, okay? We understand that. But sometimes we get fixated on the now, and we don't look past to eternity. We don't look past to consequences. Think about David. There are a lot of things David, as he's standing on his rooftop, staring at Bathsheba, there's a lot of things he didn't think of. There are a lot of things David didn't see from his rooftop while he was staring at Bathsheba, right? There, as, as you think about other moments, you can think about Moses. Moses had a moment of anger and frustration with the people of Israel, and he took the glory for himself, and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it like God told him to do. And because of that moment, he wasn't allowed to go to the promised land. Peter, he had a moment of fear. The people around Jesus, uh, as Jesus is being tried, they say, hey, you're one of them. And, and he did everything he could, cussing and swearing to say, I'm not one of them. After having just uh, confidently stated to Jesus that he would never abandon Jesus. But yet at that time, he was fixated on the moment, the moment of lust, the moment of greed that got Judas. We all have those times when we are tempted to be fixated on the moment, the moment where you think, I don't know if I can take any more from my spouse, the moment I don't think I can take any more from my kids, the moment I don't think I can, I, I can get through this. We have to be able to look past the moment. And so Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 gives us some examples of people that have to look past the moment. And that is the farmer and the soldier, right? And the, and the runner. They have to look past the moment. You then, my child, verse 1, 2 Timothy 2, 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a whole other sermon. What is going to strengthen you? Grace. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trusted faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He had told him repeatedly, fight the good fight of faith. Okay? No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. He, he could get distracted with some things, but he has to, wait a minute, I'm on the battlefield and I'm in war and I've got a commanding officer that I've got to listen to. And so while I might want to go, to go do this, I can't. I've got to stay on the battlefield and pay attention to what my calling and my charge is and listen to my commanding officer. He has to live, live past the moment. We continue. Uh, the athlete... The athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. He's got to run around that track a certain amount of times. He can't say, oh, Chick-fil-A, which is what I would do, <laughs> which is why I'm not a runner. But he, he can't do that. No, he's got to follow. He can't, go cross the, he can't go across the racetrack. He's got to go around the racetrack. He's got to follow the rules. He may say, I really want to win this race, and so maybe I'll just cut some corners. No, he's got to follow the rules. He has to live past the moment. And so that's what Paul is trying to help Timothy because, again, as I said this morning, Timothy is rattled. Timothy is struggling. Timothy needs help. And so Paul is saying, hold on. Be that soldier. Keep fighting as a soldier. Keep running and just follow Christ and stay in the race. And then he also talks about the farmer. Verse 6, it is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding 
in everything. Timothy, you got to stay with it. The farmer can't just, you know, plant his crops and then go to Hawaii for six months. The farmer's got to watch that field, and he's got he's to make sure he watches out for the, the nutrition, and he's got to watch out for moisture, and he's got to watch out for, for weeds and all the other things, uh, pests, and anything else that might get in the way of his crop. He's got to work hard. He has to live past the moment. He may want to walk away from his fields, but he's got to pay attention to his fields because he wants the result. Timothy, don't give up. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so we have to remember ourselves to live past the moment. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy. Just look further down in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 19. I put verse 20 on the outline, but I'd like to start in verse 19. I had in my possession for a long time, well, some of you, do you know what a cassette tape is? (laughs) Got to be careful, right? Yes, I'm very old. You know, a cassette tape, okay? I had a cassette tape for years, and I won't name the name of the preacher, but the, the preacher preached a sermon on how to make marriage last forever. And he cheated on his wife, and they're divorced. How to make marriage last forever. Okay, And as I think about those things, I want you to understand I'm not standing in superiority. Those things scare me. Because, you know, as we think about standing for Christ and living for Christ and walking for Christ, we understand all of those other servants of God sometimes got fixated on the moment and had that time. And yes, they're forgiven by God, but there's consequences to that. Understand that we have to live past the moment, and that is exactly what Paul is telling Timothy to do. Verse 19, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Okay, I am God's, and I'm thankful for that. I am God's, and so if I am strengthened by grace, and I am God's, that means I, there's something required of me. Okay, if I'm, if I'm saved by Christ and I've, I've been given grace by Christ, there's something required of me. And so it says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord do what? Depart from iniquity. You see, that's my response to the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace of Jesus Christ is not, as Jude, Jude had to deal with, a license for me to just cut the seatbelt and live however I want to live. The grace of Jesus Christ has been given to me so that I will uh, respect that and and live for that and live for Jesus. And so he tells tells Timothy even more in verse 20. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. There are certain uh, things they would, uh, certain uh, vessels in their house that they would use to relieve themselves in, and they would take care of that. But then they didn't put those vessels on their shelf. Okay, there are other gold vessels that they would use for company or other special vessels. You got your special china you use, right? Well, he says, in a house, there's some who are for honorable and some for dishonorable. And so he, he turns that to talk about people. Verse 21 What if you have been a vessel? For dishonor. If I have been a vessel for dishonor, and I believe every one of us, if we're, if we're honest, 
at some point we can look back and say, I lived in a dishonorable way. Can you say that? Probably so. Can you change? According to this, you can, can't you? I want you to look at the verse. He tells Timothy, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready for every good work. And so notice what he tells Timothy to do. So, do what? Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from what kind of heart? A pure heart. I definitely want to talk about this for just a moment as we consider the idea of purity. The, the amount of addiction to pornography is so rampant in our, con- in our congregations, in our country, in our Christian men, yes, and sometimes our Christian women. But we have to address that that is a very real thing that is plaguing our churches, is it not? And many have have fallen prey to those things and have been vessels of dishonor. But understand that through Jesus' grace, you can be cleansed and become a vessel for honor. But have you ever taken time to just go through the Scripture and, and see how many times God says, clean hands and pure heart? Though if I'm going to serve God, if I'm going to dwell in His holy hill, that I need to have clean hands and a pure heart. As Jesus gives His Sermon on the Mount, He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It is throughout the Scripture. I would just encourage you to take time to go through how many times God says, if you want to have a close relationship with me, and if you want to have a close relationship with other people, purity of heart is central. Purity of heart is central. I cannot, I cannot love my wife as Christ loved the church when I am corrupted by all of that filth and impurity in my heart. I can't love her. And so what we have to understand is I can't love my brethren either. You see, David, David had a hard time being compassionate as he was, as he was guilty of this, all of the sins with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah. He, he couldn't be compassionate. When one of his servants dies in war, he had lost the ability to be compassionate. And when, when we start living in an impure fashion and we start treating other people in the world as objects and pieces of meat for our gratification, that spills out into all our relationships. It spills out into our friendships. It spills out into work. It spills out into our marriages and how we parent and how we relate with other people and how we see other people. And so repeatedly in the Bible, God is saying, cleanse your hands, you sinners, James 4. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sometimes we're trying to live in two worlds. It doesn't work very well, does it? Have we tried to live in two worlds? I think we can all say at some point we have. God's calling you home. Have a pure heart. Have a pure heart. Get past the moment. Get past the moment. If we want to keep the faith, we've got to get past the moment to become a vessel for honor and understand Jesus' grace is amazing. It's not just a song we sing. It is very true 
because he promised if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John. And so if you are living in an impure way, we encourage you to come to Jesus and to be purified. That's not the invitation, the final invitation. That's just the first one. <laughs> Secondly, the challenge of weariness. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Sometimes we get tired. There's a lot of different reasons why we get tired, but we get tired. Sometimes we get tired because we're just getting beat down by the persecutions of life and the, and the trials of life. Sometimes it's a caregiver who is caring for a special needs child or a dying spouse or someone else sick in their life, and there's just so much to do. And they can barely see straight. They're so tired. Maybe some of you understand that right now. I know what that's like. It's a beating sometimes. And you do it out of love. And you do it out of concern and care because that's what we do for our loved ones. But sometimes you just get tired. Sometimes it's as we're trying to love our brothers and sisters and teach others and, and those who are shepherds in the church. There's a lot sometimes you, you have to deal with. And sometimes you just get tired. And so we're weary. Sometimes we're weary because I think we take on too much. Have you ever taken on too much? Moses took on too much. His father-in-law had to tell him to stop that. Cut it out. You're taking on too much, Exodus 18. And so sometimes we're tired because maybe we're doing things that are not, are not even our responsibility. And maybe we could delegate that to somebody else. But regardless, we get tired. And so in 2 Timothy 2, he starts in verse 8. Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Here we go, back to the resurrection, risen from the dead. Timothy, don't get down. Don't get discouraged. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Sometimes we get tired because it's all tied up in the hopelessness. We think, well, is, this, is this really working? Elijah was that way. He got hopeless. I, I'm not accomplishing anything. And he had to be encouraged by God in 1 Kings 19. Okay? And that's what Timothy is, being, uh, is happening to Timothy here. Okay? So, uh, the word of God is not bound. We have to remember that. Verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is one of the five trustworthy sta statements in First and Second Timothy and Titus, but this is one of them. Verse 11, this saying is trustworthy. Okay, when you're tired, by the way, have you ever been so tired you can't think clearly? Anybody raise your hand. <laughs> right now, Aaron. You've been so tired, so discouraged, it's hard to think rationally. That's when you need to have some basic, simple bedrock truths to anchor yourself on. Something that I can hold on to when things aren't making sense, when I'm about to fall apart. And so he gives Timothy something to hold on to when he's, when he's down and he's discouraged and he's ready to give up. If this saying is trustworthy, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure he will also, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Timothy, if you stay with it, just as Jesus has risen, so will you. 
I remember being in one of those other times of being discouraged, and I, I remember hearing a preacher come and did a meeting in that time, and I don't think he knew anything about my situation, but I remember him saying, I've never been discouraged a day in my life, and I know how any Christian can be. I just wanted to go find a hole to die in. That didn't help me a bit. And so Paul's not doing that to Timothy. He's not minimizing his pain. He's not just saying, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. He's trying to give him something to truly hold on to and encourage him with. 1 Corinthians 15, our labor is not in vain in the Lord. If Jesus is risen from the dead, it's worth it. It's worth it. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. You're in a struggling marriage. Don't lose heart. I'm not saying everything's going to be great. If you're struggling with addiction, don't lose heart. Jesus is with you. If you're struggling with anxiety and depression, don't lose heart. Jesus is with you. Anchor yourself to the promises, to things that you know for sure. Because when you're dealing with those kind of things, you get into all kinds of things in the committee in your head. I know, I've got a committee in my head too. Anchor yourself on the promises of God and the things that you know are true. And it'll help. Fourth, or the third thing is the challenge of people. Okay, uh, the challenge of people. Now, I know I already talked about people in the previous lesson, but I want us to see some examples. And I say this so that we can help encourage each other to help me, to help you, to know that the way I behave affects you. And the way you uh, behave affects me. The way I talk could cause you to, to walk away from Jesus. It could encourage you to do that. You have to make your own decisions, but I could be part of that cause. I want you to look at several examples with me in that because part of the uh, challenges to finish is sometimes people get in the way. So I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're familiar, well, you may be familiar with Barnabas. Most of you probably are, but some may not be. Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. He was a one known uh, by the apostles as somebody who encouraged everybody. But when Peter, or Cephas, he's also called, starts behaving in an ungodly way, his behavior affected Barnabas. I want you to see that with me in Galatians chapter 2 in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So he'd be okay with the Gentiles until the Jews came along. When the Jews came along, he bailed on his brethren that were Gentiles. Well, let's continue reading. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. You see, he influenced other people. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. You know, we, we don't want it to be said of us at all that I or that you were the cause of someone else being led away. Because of my hypocrisy, someone else in the faith is led away. And so as we think about the challenges of, of, of finishing, sometimes the challenges come because of the behavior of other people. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy 2 as we begin to wrap this up. 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to just notice several verses with me. In 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 14, we're going to scan through several. They're on your notes. 
But brothers and sisters, we, we need to understand something. Is that it doesn't matter how long we've been at a church. It doesn't matter how old we are. It, it doesn't matter if we're as uh, charter members. We don't get a license to be rude. We don't get a license to be unkind. We don't get a license, I don't care who we are, we don't get a license to behave in a way that is ungodly or unchristlike. But yet, sometimes that happens, and we understand that, but that, that is not justifiable before Jesus. And, and Paul is warning Timothy. Timothy, these are some things you need to pay attention to because of the effect that it'll have on other people. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but notice this, which only ruins the hearers. Verse 16, avoid irreverent babble because it leads people into more ungodliness. You know, there's people who say, I won't have anything to do and I'm not, I'm not justifying them. There's people who say, I'll have nothing to do with Christianity because of these things that happened. And while we have to work on their heart, they're letting other people stand in between them and Jesus. I understand that. But you and I, we don't want to be the cause of that, right? We would never want to be the cause of that. Verse 18. There are people who had swerved from the truth, preaching a false doctrine. It says they are upsetting the faith of some. Verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And I would say, especially as I wrap this up, when we think about this, please, please be careful what you post on social media. There, I've never seen... I've never seen one of these brotherhood debates on Facebook ever go well. It is always a dumpster fire. Don't participate. Don't join the party. And so what we have to understand is if we're arguing over something and people are taking shots back and forth, somebody's faith may be struggling. Somebody may be upset by that. Somebody may be discouraged. We don't want to be people who are diving into that to type and, and take some pot shot at somebody across the country. And so what we have to understand is that, is that as we are in this world today, we are in 2023, we have to take this scripture and apply it to today. And that's what happens in, in like social media like Facebook and Instagram and other places. I've heard it called you twit face <laughs> if you combine them all together. <laughs> it took you, okay, you got it. We have to think about that. The things that I'm saying, the things that I am promoting, the things that I'm saying toward you are going to affect somebody else. And so there is never, ever a license for me to behave in a way that is unchristlike, including on the internet. So as we think about these thoughts and we wrap this up, who is in your inner circle I want you to really think about that. I know that you guys are encouraging each other, this Koinonia group, to encourage uh, fellowship and growth and all of that. I want to ask you, who's in your inner circle? If you want to be more thankful, hang around thankful people. You want to be more evangelistic? I know this is so simple. You want to be more evangelistic? Hang around some evangelistic people. If you don't want to complain, don't hang around complainers. Guess what you're going to do? You don't want to gossip? 
I can tell you some people you don't want to hang around. You don't want to hang around gossips, right? So as I think about the challenge of people, if I want to finish, if I want to get past the moment, if I want to be encouraged when I'm weary, I need to consider who my inner circle is. It was important for Jesus to pick a select group of people. I think it should be important for us as well. Those are my thoughts. I want you to think about these things as, as we prepare to sing a song. Before you do that, before we sing, we want to offer an invitation to you because it's Jesus' invitation. Do you need to make your life right with Jesus? Maybe in some ways you have been living in the moment and you need help, you need encouragement, you need prayers. This should be a safe place, and it is a safe place, for you to come and ask for prayers for that. If you have not yet taken on Christ, you have not been baptized, immersed in, in Jesus for the remission of your sins, do that tonight so that you can be in the race and you can join this good group of people walking to heaven together. Think about these things as we stand and as we sing.